Good evening. Everyone's very spread out this evening, like we've gone wide. So I'm going to move forward, and then I'm going to have to like do the tennis thing. And uh, I'll, I'll see all of you at some point <laughs> during the evening. We're going to talk this evening about um, Holy Spirit fruit. Uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for the last few weeks, and um, one of the things you'll have noticed if you read the Bible is that there's the fruit of the Spirit and there's the gifts of the Spirit. Did anyone notice that? And we've been focusing a lot in the last moment or two season of, um, on, the, uh, fruit, on the gifts of the Spirit. So can anyone shout out uh, a gift of the Spirit, one of the things that we've been talking about? Tongues, prophecy, healings. Yeah, and words of knowledge. See, I needed a word of knowledge to know what he said. Um, Interpretation of tongues, well done. Yeah. Deliverance, and and so on and so on and so on. So there's different gifts, different gifts, and um, but one spirit. Um, But we're also instructed, besides eagerly desiring the, the gifts, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We've, we've heard that a lot in the last few weeks. But in Matthew, we also hear Matthew 3 verse 8, it says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And um, that's one of those things as well that we're told we need to do. It's not just that we want to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, but we actually have to bear fruit. You go, well, yeah, but I'm bearing fruit when I prophesy. Well, we'll find out if that's true in a moment. (laughs) Uh, You see, in Luke, it also talks about producing fruit. Uh, In Acts, it talks about producing fruit um, worthy of repentance. In Ephesians, it says, You were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, you'll see my little illustration there. We've got gift and fruit. I'll explain that in just a moment. What we do know for sure is that after we're saved, our lives should be different. It's not just that we stop doing certain things. Now, you stop robbing banks. You stop murdering people. Hopefully, you did. I mean, hopefully... When you came to know Jesus, you gave up those sort of practices. But there will also be some things that will begin to happen in your life. So it's not just that we give up and suddenly we're in we're nothing, we're in neutral. No, we actually become a positive something in the world um, because of the Spirit of God who's in us and it is working in our lives. Now, we've been speaking a lot about the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and these are special gifts that God gives to us, special power that he places within us. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 says there are varieties of gifts, but it's the same spirit. So there's this one spirit, but lots of different gifts. So if you get the spirit and your five-year-old gets the spirit, you've got the same spirit. And that's really important for us to realize because sometimes, particularly as parents, we kind of, um, they're there, our kids, when it comes to church. 
or community. Maybe you're in a community where all the kids get stuck in the back room with an with a iPad or something. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just not saying it's right. Um, and I never did that with my kids. Because, <laughs> yeesh, they got the same spirit I've got. So now what am I going to do? Tell the Holy Spirit to go and sit in the bedroom with an iPad. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm about to leave. So I can say anything right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can literally just drop the hand grenade and I'm out of here soon. So, you know, no consequences. It's amazing what you do when there's no, no consequences, isn't it? Seriously, though, if you're a common leader here, don't be satisfied with that. If you're a parent here, don't be satisfied with that. Same spirit. Different gifts. So it looks different when it happens with your kid. It looks different when it happens with your wife or with your brother or your sister. It looks different. But it's the same spirit. We don't put the spirit in the back room. Okay. So, oh, but we have kids' church on Sunday. Yeah, that's because we're teaching them at their level. But participation in body, in life, in family, so important. Amen, Amen Tracy. So... That's just a sidebar. Okay. That was for free. Sidebar. But um, so we talked about lots of different gifts. Um, but honestly, the gifts tell us more about God than they tell us about us. I mean, like, you could have all the gifts, and I would know nothing more about you than if you didn't have the gifts. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you've got a gift of prophecy, all that tells me is that God wants to speak to us. If you've got a gift of tongues, it means that God loves when we speak to him. If you've received a gift of healings, it means that God wants to glorify himself by making some of us well when we weren't well before. If you received a gift of miracles, it means that God is a God who still disrupts the natural order when he chooses, when it pleases him to glorify himself. That's what the gifts mean. So the gifts is something about God, and actually, anyone can have one, because it's a gift. They tell us a lot about God. And they're they're without repentance, or irrevocable, as some translations say. So if we look at Romans 11, 29, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Now that's a good thing, it's also sometimes a negative thing. So who remembers when Uncle Jeff was here, and he told a story about someone who gave him a guitar, and then years later they said, have you still got that guitar, I'd like it back now. And he went, no, it's my guitar. (laughs) I thought it was such a classic story, because... I've had similar experiences myself. It was a wah pedal, but still. Um, you know, you know so someone gives you something, and it's yours, and you're like, I love having this thing. This is mine. And then they go, oh, can I have it back? And you're like, but I thought it was mine. In fairness, I've also had the opposite experience, where I thought something was someone else's, and when I tried to give it back to them, they said, no, but that's yours. So I went, well, that's decent too. But the point is, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. In other words, he's not going to take them back. So it doesn't matter how badly you louse up your character, you can still operate in the gifts. And we know from Scripture and we know from church history that some remarkably unrepentant and ungodly men have been able to move in the gifts of the Spirit for quite a long time. And that should concern us. It concerned Jesus And anyone who listened to Jesus would have heard Jesus say something like this. Matthew 7, 
21 to 23, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Hectic. Like you all. Because the thing is here, what that's telling me is there's a place in hell reserved for people who spoke in tongues. And prophesied. And cast out demons. And did mighty works in Jesus' name. There's a place in hell for people who did mighty works in Jesus' name but didn't know Jesus. And so when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and I, was, I was talking through some of my notes with Vanessa, and she said, just make sure they understand you're not preaching against the gifts. Because <laughs> this could go that way, couldn't it? You know, you know, like we could just get scared of having the gifts because, well, they're not a demonstration that God's like in us or, or that we're saved. That's true. It's not a demonstration that we're saved. But neither is... Loving your neighbor in the sense that no one went to heaven because they prophesied. No one went to heaven because they loved their neighbor. The only people who go to heaven go to heaven because of the blood of Jesus. But because of the blood of Jesus, we can prophesy. And because of the blood of Jesus, we can love our neighbor. And God says, love your neighbor. And he says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So, imagine if you would, I go to a garden centre. We can see in the next picture here, we've got a chilli plant and a bottle of hot sauce. Now, the day that I go to the garden centre, there's a special on. I'm looking to buy a chilli plant, but if I buy the chilli plant, I get a bottle of hot sauce with it, because, you know, eventually, if I'm a good gardener, my chilies will produce, and I will be able to make hot sauce. And this is to kind of give me a taste of what's to come. Anyway, not the perfect anecdote, it's just an illustration. Don't hold me to it. So, I buy a chilli plant, and I get a free gift of hot sauce. Anyone like hot sauce? I head straight home, make myself some avo toast, splash that hot sauce on the avo toast, and I'm like, this is the life. I like this hot sauce. This is nice. I'm encouraged. I'm thinking this avo, this, this, this um, chili plant, hopefully this will grow and have chilies. It'll be awesome. Three months later, it's not looking so good. You see... For my hot sauce to remain intact, all I have to do is exactly nothing. For my chili plant to remain intact, I have to do quite a lot. I have to water it, I have to tend it, I have to make sure it's living in the light so that it can grow <laughs> and receive the nutrition and the things it needs that it can photosynthesize or whatever plants do. Um, I have to make sure that plant is being tended for it to bear fruit. I don't have to do anything to enjoy the gift. Now, do you begin to see where I'm going with this? This is one of the reasons that the gifts of the Spirit are not a good measure of whether a person even has the Spirit or is saved because they are a gift. 
And so they say nothing to our character. They say nothing to our devotion to the Lord, how much we're giving ourselves to prayer, how much we're giving ourselves to the Bible, how much we're giving ourselves to um, the apostles' teaching or the fellowship or the breaking of bread. It says nothing to those things. It just says we got a gift. But imagine three months later you come round and my chili plant is full of chilies. And the leaves are lush and green and it's doing so well. What would that say to you? That I've cared. That I've actually spent time on it. That I've actually wanted to see fruit and so I've done the hard work that sees me get the fruit. So, now we're called to bear fruit, but the realistic thing we've got to look at here is we can't do that on our own. Jesus said in John 15, 4, he said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so what Jesus is saying here is, you need to bear the fruit, but to do that, there's one way that's going to happen. And that is if you abide in me. Abide is not a word we use a lot in normal speech. Did anyone abide this week? You went around your friend's house and they said, are you staying? I think I'll abide. (laughs) We we don't say it a lot, so maybe we need to unpack it. What does it mean to abide? Well, he gives us an illustration of what it might mean. He says that a branch that wants to be fruitful needs to abide in the vine. Anyone got any kind of an idea what that might be? Any ideas? Like, stay connected. I think it's fairly safe to say that Jesus has really reduced this down for us to the lowest concept we can consider, which is that staying connected is the abiding that needs to happen. We need to stay connected to Jesus, and then we can bear the fruit. And how you stay connected to Jesus? Well, there's a few different ways you stay connected to Jesus. And I mentioned some of them already. It's things like being devoted to meeting, to fellowship, to the Word of God, to the Apostles' Doctrine. In other words, to hearing teaching that comes from the apostolic and and flows out to us and edifies us and builds us up and challenges us. Earlier on, I said some things about community and about our children. And probably there are some people who are challenged by that. But that's okay because we love you. And we only say things to challenge ourselves because there's something better. If we were there already, Jesus would have come back. Isn't that right? I mean, if we had reached what we were meant to be, Jesus would have said, It's complete. It's done. Dad, now? He goes, son, now. And the trumpet will sound and the heavens will open and all men on earth will see him. That's, that's, so if we're not seeing that yet, it's because we're not there yet. And so it's okay when we get tweaked. It's okay when someone says something, when someone challenges something in us, when someone pushes us on to a better thing than the thing we settled on. That's okay. In fact, it's good. It's, it's actually a positive thing. So let's look at these fruit of the Spirit and these um, Holy Spirit 
fruit. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Um, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. There's a zoomed-in slide there. Let's just zoom in, if we can, on that where it says the fruit of the Spirit is... We might not get there. It's okay. I didn't, give, I didn't debrief the guys. If you go back, there we go. You go back. Everyone's saying go back. There we go. See that word? It doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit are. It says the fruit of the Spirit is. Do we have any English majors in the house? I, I'm not an English major. I just grew up there. Um, but I do then know the difference between is and are. I are wearing my jean pant, but you is. No, so the difference between is and are, right? So there is a difference between is and are. When it says the fruit of the Spirit is, it's saying there is only one fruit. So unlike the gifts where some prophesy, some speak, you know, interpret it or whatever, there is only one fruit. But the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is the fruit. So it's not that you say, well, I'm just not one of those self-controlled people. God didn't give me that. The fruit that he produced in me was joy. I'm just happy all the time. You go, well, a lot of the people around you are not happy, and it's because of you. <laughs> it's like, you know, we, we can't pick and choose which fruit. There is only one fruit, and the fruit is all of it. So there's going to be a transformation in us if the Holy Spirit is in us that's going to push us forward in all these ways. All these ways. For myself, I was quite lopsided on this. I didn't love well. <laughs> Pam will tell you. When we first arrived in South Africa, it was 20 years ago, and I was very good at doing, I think. I mean, she might tell you different on that as well. But I was, I was pretty diligent. I had what my RE teacher called a Protestant work ethic. In other words, I just worked too hard. And that, that's something I've only recently actually overcome because that's not a good thing. But I was very good at working hard. I'd speak my mind very quickly and easily. And, and, and even as recently as when we, we, we planted in, in 2012, and Vanessa spent, I think, the first two or three years of us planting the congregation, um, fielding conversations with people saying, no, no, Adam doesn't hate you. Um, he, no, he doesn't hate you. Um, it, that's just, it's just Adam. <laughs> Some of you may still feel that way after this preach. I don't know. But the point is, you know, we develop in different ways. I got saved in like 1981. The God's, I mean, there's no excuse, right, in me. There's no excuse for anything. I got saved in 1981. Like, but God's still working. 
He's still working, still working on stuff. So he's tweaking here, tweaking there. So he tweaked the love thing. So then it wasn't so much that people were thinking I hated them anymore. Like, actually, it was quite special. The one birthday, people wrote messages on pictures and sent it through to me. And actually, I was deeply moved. I didn't tell anyone because, you know, it's ridiculous. But um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, was, I was actually quite moved because the things they were saying, I didn't recognize the me they were talking about because God had done a work in me. Because he had changed me to someone that people were writing about this guy who loves them. This guy who they always feel comfortable around. They feel, I'm going, whoa, I, wow. Then God has done a work. And then more recently, he worked on my self-control. And I had a season when I, I stepped out of leadership so I could focus on God addressing that in me. Because I wasn't doing well in that. And I was allowing sin to come into my life. And that's a problem. And even very recently, Kyle's been challenging me to exercise more. So that's also self-control. And so I sent in my, my steps report. And I started going out in the morning. So I'm, I'm not getting up over 10Ks an hour at this point. I'm, <laughs> I'm still, you know, I could do a 5K under 40 minutes. Walking backwards. But, um, but the point is, if I'm going to be challenged on something like self-control, and I know it's a problem in certain areas, well, then actually to address it in any area is going to help me in every area. And it's got to be the Holy Spirit. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. But I also have to get off the couch. And this is a really important thing to understand. When we talked about speaking in tongues... I don't know if it was clear to everyone, but when you speak in tongues, it's you speaking. It's not that you suddenly like, are taken over by the Spirit. I mean, maybe sometimes that would happen, but in my experience, that's the exception rather than the norm. Like, there may be moments, just like when someone falls over in the Spirit um, or, or laughs uncontrollably in the Spirit, there may be moments where the Spirit is very on a person and they just don't get to choose. But that's unusual. I'm not saying it's not God when that happens. It could be God when that happens, but it's not the normal thing. Normally, when a person speaks in tongues, it's them speaking, but they're just speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit is working in them, and he's giving them words to say, and they're saying those words. That's been my experience of speaking in tongues my whole life. And um, it's the same with prophecy. I don't know anyone who prophesies who's told me that their experience of prophecy was that they just suddenly don't know what happened and then five minutes later they wake up and someone told them they prophesied. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. It's not possession. It's not like some voodoo thing. It's, it's, it's actually orderly because God is not an author of confusion and he works through us, not in spite of us in those ways. So in the same way, when we love our neighbor... It's actually us loving them. <laughs> Can you imagine? So, so that means you actually have to love them. Yeah. Patience. Who's, who's seen Evan Almighty? It's, it's, it's not the best film. I can't recommend it, but I loved it. Um, <laughs> But in this, so the one character is talking to 
what we presume is God. And, and, and he's explaining how when a person asks for patience, they don't get given patience, they get given opportunities to exercise patience. And for all that it's a Hollywood thing, I think they're onto something. Because did you know that when the fruit of the Spirit that is patience manifests in your life, did you know who's being patient? You are. God didn't take over when you were in the car, in traffic, and that guy cut you up and you wanted to say or gesticulate in whatever fashion it'd be common to you. It wasn't the Holy Spirit that stopped you saying those words or making those signs. It was you. It was that self-control and that goodness overflowing in an act of patience that meant that when the guy thought his life was more important than your life, you went, well, let it be. Maybe his life is more important because I consider myself not more highly than I ought. (laughs) Which usually means you make room for almost everyone else to do that. And often you'll find yourself in situations where you go, really? They think they're better than me. And then you go, oh, but I'm not better than anyone. Because I've got to consider myself the least. And so actually we give room to others even if they're not exercising the gift, <laughs> the fruit rather, if they're, they're not being goodness to us, they're not being kindness to us, we're still being kindness to them. Remember the golden rule that Jesus taught, which is do unto others as you would have them do to you, not as they do to you. And I've said before, that was the one we had to drum into our boys. Because it's very easy, easy to measure out justice as you've been done by. It's a much harder thing to measure out kindness as you would be done by. Eye for an eye is easy to measure. But how kind do you want the world to be to you? Be that kind. How joyful do you want those around you to be or do you want to be? Well, be that joyful and break that open for others. Um, faithfulness. How faithful would you want someone to be to you? Well, be that faithful to the Lord first of all. Be that faithful to the church. Be that faithful to your family. Be that faithful to your spouse. Be that faithful to whatever situation where faithfulness is required. Be that faithful. Because that's the faithfulness you would want to see when someone was living toward you and behaving towards you. Gentleness. Gentleness is very cool. Jesus was gentle. Um, He also made a whip the one time and pushed a load of guys out of the temple, but that was exceptional behavior from Jesus' side. That wasn't common. Um, And there was a particular set of circumstance that justified that. And if we measure our entire way of being against the Jesus with the whip, (laughs) we'll overlook gentleness and the need to have gentleness in our lives. We need to be gentle. So we need love. We need 
joy, we need peace, we need patience, we need kindness, we need goodness. We need faithfulness, we need to be gentle. We need gentleness in our lives. Gentleness towards others, gentleness in our speech. One of the things, um, goodness, when it talks about goodness there, um, it, 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 in Ephesians um, 4, it talks about goodness, and it talks about it in the context of how we speak. So when we talk, that our speech would be good. Not just that we would say true things, but we would say kind things. And that the way we'd speak the truth would be in love. And so that there would be love received, even if we're saying something quite hard to hear. And so there's different ways to say a thing. Sometimes you can just say it and it's like a clap around the head. Sometimes you can say it and it's, it's kind of fun and everyone goes, <laughs> that hurt a bit, but thanks. Uh, or you can say it and it's so gentle no one will ever hear you. And that is also a problem. So you've got to, you've got to at least learn to communicate. You know, you've got to say the thing, but there does need to be gentleness in the way we handle other people because everyone's going through something and life is hard and then you die. And that's kind of like, that's the reality we all face, you know. And so if you think that around other people, you kind of go, okay, let me actually be gentle and kind towards this person because I don't know what they're going through. And, and be even more gentle if you do know what they're going through because it's probably worse than you think a lot of the time. And so we can exercise these things. We can show this fruit, but only by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, there's no one good enough to be good enough to get to heaven. It was interesting. Um, we watched the coronation yesterday of the King of England and the realms. Because, um, uh, you know, I lived there once. And um, it was interesting. And I like soldiers in uniforms. It look, looks, looks cool. There's 4,000 soldiers marching in unison. And they had this ear, earwig thing. So when they were all going to start, it counts down to the bass drum for two, one, all for the 4,000 soldiers, all the bass drums start at the same moment, all 4,000 soldiers started left, right, at the exact same moment. It's remarkable, crazy. Anyway, the point was that there was this moment when um, the archbishop was speaking and he was talking to the king, but in his sermon, and he was saying, the things that you are being asked to do can only be done by the Holy Spirit. I thought that's, that's properly good, what he's saying there. I actually said to Vanessa, I think he's preaching my sermon from tomorrow. <laughs> Who knew me and the archbishop would be preaching the same thing on the same weekend? Um, not something I foresaw, I have to say. Uh, we don't normally share notes, but he said... With the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the king is given freely what no ruler can ever attain through will or politics or war or tyranny. The Holy Spirit draws us to love in action. That's remarkable. Because at the end of the, at the, end of the coronation, he walked out and he met with other as he was leaving, because it was a Christian ceremony, but then as he's leaving, there was these other religious leaders and he met with them, and they 
had some lines they were meant to say about having a shared common interest in charity and, and, and being nice to people and stuff, which is great. We, we should all want that. But the point that that whole moment missed was that we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. No one's nice enough to be nice all the time. No one's good enough to be good all the time. And yet we're called to be perfect because he is perfect. So how are we going to do that? It's not about being slightly better than we are. That's not enough. We need to be perfect as he is perfect. And we can't do that. And that's why it's the fruit of the Spirit. See, as we open our lives to the Holy Spirit and we allow him to come into us, as we allow his word to feed us, as we allow his presence to sustain us, as we allow him to be in us and through us and enlivening us, then that sap in the branch runs through from the, from the trunk and it runs out to our branch. And our branch bears the kind of fruit that's meant to come from not a branch, but from that branch of that vine. You see, you're not going to find kumquats on an orange tree because that's not what the fruit of that tree is. And all the time that branch is attached to the tree and the life is flowing from the tree to the branch, it will bear the kind of fruit that is natural for that branch when it's attached to that tree. And that's what God has called us to. No one's saved because they're good. Because no one can be that good. But those of us who repent and are saved are still called to be good. To be goodness, to be life, to be kindness, to be gentleness, self-control, all these things. Sin is sin. But the forgiven live a life of righteousness and demonstrate that righteousness by the way that they live. We can't do it on our own. It's the branch binding in the vine that's going to cause it to happen. But it's also not something I can lay hands on and you receive. Like, Let's have, a, let's have a line now. If anyone here feels they need more faithfulness, just step forward and we're just going to lay hands and you're going to receive faithfulness. Or you're going to receive patience. That's not how it works. Remember the plant and the pot of sauce. See, the pot of sauce is always there. It's always the same. It's the gift. The gift, you just keep flowing. You can lay hands, you can get the gift, and then you've got the gift. But the fruit... There's a reason that language is chosen, and it's because it takes work. It needs to be nurtured. You need to spend time with Jesus. You need to spend time in his presence. You need to spend time in the word. How do you even know what goodness is? In our world right now, there are a hundred different versions of what goodness is. What is kindness? Most people will tell you today that kindness is just letting anyone do whatever they want, however they want to do it, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. That's not kindness. Kindness is preaching the gospel. Kindness is telling the truth. That's kindness. How kind would it be to let a person take themselves to hell when you had the possibility 
of telling them that's where they were going. Illustration, I've heard a few times, I don't know if I came up with it or if I heard it from someone else. You're standing in the street chatting to your friend and you look up the road and there's a truck coming down the hill. And there's people walking past on the pavement. You both step into the street and you're chatting as they're walking past. And this bus is, or truck is getting closer and closer. And your friend's back is to the traffic and you're facing, you're seeing it. And you realize the brakes have failed on this vehicle. You realize that this, this vehicle is out of control. But your friend's back is still to that vehicle. And you're thinking, oh, they should move. So you step off the street, and you keep talking to them, and bus just comes through, truck comes through, and there goes your friend. Now, I don't say that's guilt trip anyone. I'm just saying, imagine we have the opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. That's goodness. That's kindness. That is. It's not kindness to leave a person with their back to a truck in the middle of the street. That's not kindness. And so preaching the gospel is part of the goodness of God being demonstrated in our lives. And there's different ways and times and places that we do that. But it's something just to have in our minds that some of what the world tells us is good and kind, they're wrong. And actually we need to be reminded of that from time to time. Not everything that everyone claims is good and kind is in fact good and kind. So we said just as with tongues, it's, it's us who speaks. So it is with love, it's us who loves. And so it is with peace, it's us who experiences peace, but also lives at peace. So we're called to love one another and we're called to love our enemies. We're called to have joy and to rejoice in all circumstance. We're called to have, as, as much as it depends on us, to live at peace with all men. To persevere in patience. To be known for our kindness. To always display goodness. To demonstrate faithfulness. To treat one another with gentleness. And discipline our flesh with the fruit of self-control. And like I said, I can't give that to you by laying on hands. But what we can do is we can commit ourselves to pursuing these things. As much as we want to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, and like I said, this is not a preach against the spiritual gifts. we just done two or three weeks on, on how we need the Holy Spirit to be moving in power amongst us, and we want to see the gifts activated amongst us. We want everyone to prophesy. We want everyone to speak in tongues. But not at the expense of the character work that God wants to do in us. And when we look in Corinthians, it says, if I speak with the tongues of angels and have not love, I'm a clanging gong, clashing cymbal. In other words, like those who come to Jesus on my last day and say, Lord, didn't we not? He says, depart from me. It's quite possible that even in the here and now, the stuff we're doing even in the spirit, could fall flat if we don't do it with love, with joy, peace, kindness, with the fruit also being manifest at the same time as the gift. And so it's really something we need to see these two things go hand in hand. So how do we respond to something like this? Well, I think 
it's appropriate. If you have neglected the fruit of the Spirit, to say, Father, I'm sorry, I haven't even thought about how you might want to adjust my character or change me or make me more like you. Because that's what this is about. Ultimately, this is about us becoming more and more like Jesus. Not just when we die, but before then. Because the best witness we can be is to be as much like Jesus now before he finally transforms us into the perfect image of his son. And so if we have neglected that, it's appropriate to come to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Actually, I haven't allowed you to work on me in these areas. And it may be as I was speaking, there's an area of your own character that you feel challenged on. Maybe it's an area around love, around joy and rejoicing in all circumstances. Perhaps you felt challenged about living at peace with all men or persevering in patience. Um, Maybe you're not known for your kindness and you've allowed that to carry on for some time. Um, You don't always display goodness particularly in your speech. Maybe you, you enjoy gossip. Maybe you enjoy slander. You enjoy moaning and those kind of things. Um, maybe you haven't demonstrated faithfulness. Maybe you've, like in the last season, jumped from job to job to job to job or, or from relationship to relationship to relationship. You haven't shown faithfulness. Or maybe it was another area of faithfulness. You haven't been faithful in your tithe or in attending church um, and coming and fellowshipping with the body, which is what God tells us to not, neglect and so there's things like that Um, maybe you've neglected gentleness or self-control it could be any of those things and and whichever of it is there's no condemnation because again like I said we can't do these things in ourselves but we can do them by the Holy Spirit And so if you know that one of those things is you, then what I want to invite us to do this evening is just stand before the Lord and say, Lord, you see me and you know me. The psalmist said, examine me, Lord. I think most of us aren't so blind that we won't have seen something already. But it may be you could say to the Lord, honestly, I don't know if there is anything you need to work on, but show me. He will show you and he'll be glad to do that. And his spirit would be pleased to work in you, to work on those things. So I'd encourage us to stand now. And um, if, 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 this, if this speaks to you at all, if there's an area of your life and you're saying, God, I want, to, um, I want to see your spirit move in me. Like I say, I can't give it to you by laying hands, but you can commit yourself to the Lord in this moment to allow his spirit to work on that area in you. And then what I would encourage you after we've prayed If there's someone you're speaking to, you're regularly um, maybe a discipleship person or your comm leader or someone you're speaking with, tell them what it was you asked the Holy Spirit, asked God to work on in you. So that they can hold you accountable for that thing and ask if if you've seen any improvement. Because if the Holy Spirit's at work, there'll be improvement, right? And so by this time next week, everyone's going to look more like Jesus, even if it's just very incremental and quite small, you know, baby steps. But like, we'll all be looking more like Jesus by next week and the week after and the week after. Amen. So, Father God, I thank you 
for your Holy Spirit. I thank you without him, we could do nothing. Without you, we are nothing. Without you, we're just on our way to hell. But because of your salvation, because of your son, you lift us up. You, you take us to a place where we can receive your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray right now, whatever it is that we've identified that needs work, <laughs> that needs to see where we need to see more of your fruit being demonstrated and manifested in our lives, Lord, I pray you'd highlight those things in us and you would give us grace, Lord, to see those things worked out in our lives. That we would love better. That we would rejoice in all circumstance. That we would live at peace. That we would give patience to others and kindness and goodness. That we would be faithful and gentle and exercise self-control by the power of your Holy Spirit who wants to see us more and more like Jesus every day. Amen. Amen. So I encourage you, as I said, if, if the Holy Spirit's been poking at something in you, then tell someone. And let them hold you accountable. Like I did with Carl, I said, okay, I'll send you my... When I get off the couch, I'll, I'll let you know I've done it. And, and I did. And, um, and now he's got me, so now he's like... He, now he can ask, you see, any time. And, and that makes it awkward if I give up. <laughs> and that's what we want for each of us. We want it to be awkward if we give up. Because we want to be like Jesus. Or at least we want to want to be like Jesus. And sometimes even that is a work of the Spirit. To really want to change, that's a work of the Spirit too. But he can do that in us. If we spend time with him, if we let him work in us, and if we spend time in prayer and in the Bible and amongst each other, challenging each other, he'll do it. Amen? Amen. Have a fantastic week. And we'll see you at the gathering.